How have the New York Giants draft needs shaped up since the start of free agency? Where can they find the best values? We're going to talk about all that and more with Damian Parson, co-host of Locked On NFL Draft. That's coming your way next on the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Giants podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast family, your team every day. I'm your host, Patricia Trena, and as promised, joining me on today's podcast is the one and only Damian Parson, who is a talent evaluator over at the NFL, at, at, excuse me, at the Draft Network, and he is co-host along with Coach Keith Sanchez over on Lockdown NFL Draft. So if you're not subscribed to that podcast, if you're not checking that out, please do so. You, you're, you're really doing yourself a disfavor <laughs> by not checking out that stuff. Damien, thanks so much for joining me on the pod. No, I'm, I'm glad to be back. You know, shout out to Giants, Giants country, Giants nation, you know, all the love that was sent my way after my first appearance. You know, I appreciate you guys for sure. Well, we certainly appreciate you. I know a lot of people asked me to have you come back on. So (laughs) me being a a woman of the people, here you are. So thanks again. All right, Damien, let's jump right in here. Um, Free agency is now a few weeks old. Obviously, teams have made moves. Has How much have the moves that have been made, the way the market has kind of shaped up with free agency? You know, we look at the running back market, for example. That was kind of a weak market. The safety market was kind of weak. How much of that do you think is is going to affect the draft in, in terms of those positions maybe being more at a premium? I think it's going to affect it. I, I feel like the like you said, the safety and the running back class, I think it had a big impact on the free the veteran free agents that are out there. You know, like this was a when you look at the the talent at the veteran running back situation, there's a lot of talent, a lot of proven guys with, with production. They still could tote the rock and be and still be good football players. But when you look at a draft that goes four or five rounds, potentially six rounds deep into the draftable talent and guys that you can get seventh round, un, you know, priority undrafted free agents that can fit your scheme, like it, it, it matters. You know, of course, the B. John Robinsons and Jameer Gibbs of the world. But, you know, you think on day two, a, a Tank Bigsby out of Auburn, a Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. Bit two physical downhill runners. You look at them and they look like NFL running backs that they can start for a team today, you know, and, and even with the safety market, you know, Bra- um, Brian Branch out of Alabama who plays more kind of the safety nickel hybrid role uh, for defenses, Antonio Johnson, 6'3", 200 plus pound safety who could play like a strong, but definitely could play in the nickel hybrid role as well. Christopher Smith from Georgia, former corner who plays safety. It's a, it, there's a there's a lot of depth and teams view it as, okay, those are two positions where it's like, I'd rather go the cheaper option, you know, where I can have cost control for four years on a rookie deal than paying a veteran north of seven mil for three or four years themselves. So I think that definitely played a big part in both of those markets being kind of underwhelming. You know, and speaking of which, you know, you look at the moves the Giants made. They they added a linebacker, Bobby Okereke. They acquired Darren Waller in a trade with the Raiders. Um, then they added a bunch of, you know, 
one-year deal signings. They brought back a few guys. When you look at what the Giants did in free agency, how much do you think that alters what they might do in the draft, if at all? I think it alters it a little bit. I still believe that like now having a Darren Waller who you may not have a wide receiver one, but you think about how big, how important it is to have a star caliber tight end. And Darren Waller gives you that former receiver that converted over to a tight end. And he's a mismatch issue defensively. He can play out wide. He can play in line as a traditional tight end. You can put him out in the slot. You can isolate him and really is a coverage indicator and dictate coverage, you know, similar to what a Travis Kelsey does, what a George Kittle can do. What we've seen with Ron Gronkowski in his time in New England, you know, when he was in his prime at his peak. So I think with him, you know, having that, you know, bringing that asset in, it's still, you still need cornerback, like a, a number one corner, and you would still like to find a good, res, another receiver to add to this room. But it's like, okay, Quinn Johnson's not there. I don't have to find a, I don't have to reach for a traditional X in round one because I can still get a guy like a Zay Flowers or, you know, a Jordan Addison to add them to this group and give Daniel Jones as much playmaking, ability, playmaking help as possible. But like I said, you still, the, the need at corner is still uh, a glaring one, one that, that you you still have to address. So I think it, it shifts the, where I could see them going corner over receiver in round one. I could like, it depends on who's available. Yes. If Quentin Johnson from TCU at six, two, two ten, and jumps over 40 and runs a four, four, if he falls to the, into the twenties and he's available, I feel like they will have a hard time passing up on that young man. Cause he could be that X and give you kind of a twin towers look with him and Darren Waller with the other kind of smaller receivers available. But if, if he's not there, I absolutely wouldn't be surprised if they went cornerback early. When um, you talk about receivers here for a second and, and, you know, maybe getting a number one receiver, if one is available, can you just explain the pros and cons of having your tight end as your number one receiver versus having a legitimate X receiver, or are there any differences? Oh yeah. There's, there's some differences for sure. You know, receivers are typically the more athletic of the two, you know, those are, those are the guys that you're going to have that's going to run the four fours and four threes and the game changing speed and change of direction and everything where tight ends are bigger bodies. Uh, you know, some things may be a little more rigid unless you're a Travis Kelsey who moves like he has rubber bands for, for ligaments where he's just flexible and does whatever he wants with his frame. Um, the, I mean, the, the, the pros to it is very simple. You saw what Travis Kelsey was. You look at that Kansas City Chiefs offense this past season, right? Granted, yes, they have Patrick Mahomes. They have 15 back there, and they have Andy Reid. I get it. But when you have a Travis Kelsey who you listen to Darius Slade from the Eagles talk about, the only person we really had trouble with in the Super Bowl was Travis Kelsey. But it opened up everything else for everyone else, right? Because they still had a bunch of smaller receivers, and then they had like MVS as like their bigger, taller receiver to attack deep. But you know, Kadarius Tony, smaller guy. Sky Moore is a smaller guy. Juju is the kind of bigger, bigger frame dude. But still, Travis Kelsey was the engine. So it was like, okay, well, we're going to double team and sometimes even bracket with three people on Travis Kelsey, and that opens up the creative playmaking for Kadarius Tony underneath or across the middle. And it just frees guys up because it's just like basketball. When you have that star player, he draws attention. He makes everyone else's jobs easier. So that's kind of the, that's, that's a big part of it. And it's a big frame, right? Because typically uh, tight ends really navigate the middle of the field. So it leaves everything else kind of open and the defenses will get antsy. Like, okay, if we don't want to 
bracketed guy. Let me put my number one corner on him. Well, there's kind of some cons to that because now your number three and four corner has been put in the game and he's going up against a receiver that's better than him. And now you got an advantageous matchup that you just created by feeding your star tight end as, as the point of your offense. Um, you know, and like I said, with the cons, it's just you have to build with typically for me, if, if the cons of it is how you build the offense around that tight end. You need, I want you just like Kansas City, you need to have speed, guys that can like run at the catch guys. It's like, having the basketball team right and you have the Shaquille O'Neal's the Paul Gasol's the Tim Duncan's you want a Tony Parker a Manu Ginobili a Kobe Bryant a Derek Fisher you want guys that can yeah they're they're hyper athletic and they can do a lot of things after the catch in the NFL but just got smaller guys that you can interchange you can move them from either side of the formation you can put them wherever you want because if you're going to take away my big man in the paint I have guys that can shoot so I have my deep threats where, all right, that safety starts rumbling down because he's trying to play over the top cloud on my tight end. That's fine. That's perfectly fine because then I'm going to go right over the top to my speedy receiver because you just left him one-on-one with a corner that can't run with him. So it's just all about how you build the offense around them. And that's why I'm really intrigued by the Giants because when they grabbed Darren Waller, I love the move. And I'm like, you know what? If you can't get a Quentin Johnson, that's fine. If you get a Zay Flowers, you get a Josh Downs, you know, a Marvin Mims, you add some juice to the receiver, to this receiving group. Now you have a lot of interchangeable smaller guys that can really help the big man out in the paint. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because Joe Shane, the general manager, Brian Dable, they kind of downplayed the whole notion of we got to get a legitimate big skyscraper X receiver, just, you know, their whole thing was let's get guys who can get open, who can separate. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like, you know, maybe they had this whole idea of mine of landing a a big time tight end and, you know, building around him the way you just described. Yes, man. No, I would, I would not be surprised if that's the thought process they have. And you still have Daniel Bellinger where you want to run some of those two tight end sets as well, but with a Darren Waller, him especially his receiving background if you have say you have two smaller receivers on the field at the same in that 12 12 personnel with two tight ends you can motion to like a two by two by two set but you can put darren waller as your ex you know what i mean and then that pulls either that pulls the linebacker out there if they're brave if they're brave defense they're gonna put they'll throw a linebacker out there if they all right we trust my linebacker right there's a fred warner okay cool but the size issue is going to still be there or they're going to put a safety and that pulls when their premier back end help into man coverage versus Darren Waller. Now you have more space to, to operate with your shifty run after catch dynamic weapons um, at the other receiver spot. So it gives you more looks that you can really um, manipulate and really dictate how the defense show. Cause at the end of the day, we always use the term, um, you know, for quarterbacks, you want to make the quarterback jobs easy because they see one pitcher, pre-snap and they get typically defensively you want to show them a whole different picture post-snap well when you have guys that's going to change coverages and change the way the defense is going to move around that helps change the picture and give your quarterback a picture where it's like, okay i see what you're doing pre-snap and now that i'm motion darren waller out you just move the guy there's not much more you can really change now and this picture may not change a little it may change a little bit but it might not be a total different picture after we snap the ball which is which is key. You know, you want to keep things as simple as possible Correct. for the quarterback. So that's a good point as well. Um, sticking with uh, round one for the Giants, they're currently at 25. There are some people who say they should trade out of round one. There are some people who say they should stay put. 
I mean, based on, you know, we, since we last talked, we've had the combine, we've had some pro days, guys, stocks are rising, dropping, which, you know, we'll get into in a little bit, but if you're the giants at this point and you're looking at the board at the bottom of that first round, are you seeing clusters of guys who maybe have similar grades where the giants can go need, or are you of the opinion that maybe the giants would be better off getting out of the first round altogether, giving up that extra year that you would have if you were to get a first round pick and just picking up more draft picks? Um, I mean, <clears throat> I think if you didn't sign Daniel Jones, right, if you just franchise them, I would say you probably trade back, try to get an extra first round pick next year to put yourself in position to go get a Drake May or Caleb Williams or one of these other quarterbacks that could be QB three or four. But since they signed Daniel Jones, I say you stay with the pick, you know, with your, your current pick and you go best player available, and especially at the position of need. And I, I truly believe, especially at the cornerback position. Now there's, and I've talked about it before, like there's a ton of depth, at, you know, a ton of depth and talent, but in the first round, I think, you know, being able to get one of these like potential CB1 type of guys, right? Like, of course, then Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr. is a lot of people's uh, top three. And I, I expect those guys to be off the board by the time you guys are selecting. But you think about a Deontay Banks out of, out of Maryland, Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State, Julius Brents out of Kansas State, Cam Smith, like those guys, 100%. And even Akili Ringo out of Georgia, bringing that championship pedigree um, and, and, and that big physical, long athletic um, you know, body type to this secondary could really change how, you know, could really be beneficial because these are all guys who have the potential to be CB1s in the defense, especially with Wink Martindale. I think for a guy like him who's used to having such talent while he was in Baltimore at the cornerback position with Marcus Peters and, you know, Marlon Humphrey, all those physical press man guys, no, I stay put and I grab me one of these physical press man corners and I allow him to, to take this young man under his wing and build the secondary around that skill set. And let's go out there and be able to face a, have a better chance defending an AJ Brown, right? A CD lamb, a Terry McLaurin. Um, I, as, as enticing as it is to trade back, I'd rather stay put and grab one of these corners in the first round. Hey, Giant fans, the tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if their first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which teams will be cutting down the net. Make every moment more with Fandle. What about center? I mean, the Giants lost John Feliciano. They lost Nick Gates. Some people have said, oh, the Giants should maybe think about a center in the first round. I personally think that might be too high for a center. What is your take and where do you think the best value is to take a center? Um, I mean, for, there's, there's one center for sure that is pegged and, and labeled as a first round that's john michael schmitz out of minnesota you know nice uh, you know nice young man met him in mobile um but he has a nastiness when you turn when, when you turn on the tape that he's going to try to move move guys out of, out of the hole for your running backs and really he takes you know protecting the passers you know personal and serious really talented young man can play uh, especially for the zone run scheme and things of that nature strong really uh, athletic mover and good guy a uh, uh, good lateral agility but one of my guys I think in the second round depends on you know 
how early or late he could go as Joe Tipman on the Wisconsin 6'6", 315, uh, very, very athletic for his size, uh, agile, great anchor, um, you know, powerful guy who can move big bodies off the line of scrimmage and create and reset the line and create running lanes for Saquon, but also going up against some of these athletic and powerful NFL rushers. He's a guy that when he gets his hands fit and his feet planted, he could anchor and drop, drop his hips and really stonewall rushers. So that I think the value for center is going to be more so on day two. Um, you know, you have uh, Emil Ekior from Georgia, from um, Alabama. I'm sorry. He played at right guard, and that's only because they had a need so big there that he had to fill. But he's actually a center. He played center all through high school. So as a guy that's naturally best fit at the center position that you get, more than likely third round, physical, nice, wide, boxy frame, you know, a good lower half. You know, Ricky Stromberg from, from Arkansas, an offense that was used to spread, um, you know, spread and QB run stuff that we saw Dayball do with Daniel Jones last year, but also they run, they were run heavy too. So he's very equipped uh, to run the ball. Um, and he's pretty good in pass protection as well. Guy that you can get truthfully. I think you can get late day two, early day three. So I think with center you're, it's day two for sure. For me, Oluwatimi, uh, Olu, Oluwatimi from Michigan, Luke Weipler from Ohio State is going to me as a day three prospect that can really work for zone zone based offense. So yeah, there's some there's some some good depth um, and, and second day two and day three talent at the center position. Definitely a position the Giants need, especially that interior offensive line. This wasn't very solid for them. I mean, inconsistent. And of yeah. course, the Giants downplaying the need, saying that they have some guys that are going to compete, but we all kind of can figure out they're going to go with the center. They have to. I mean, they might as well take a billboard out in Times Square and say that they're (laughs) going to do that. Um, Damien, who are some of the players that are sneaking into the first round? Maybe guys that, you know, the media, the fans aren't really talking about, but maybe the scouting, um, the scouting community is a little bit more high on than, than those of us on the outside are. Um, I mean, right now, you, of course, like I talked about him earlier, um, Deontay Banks is, is I think, I think it's almost a done deal that he should be in the first round. Emmanuel Forbes, there's a lot of talk. The two, the, the, both of those are corners, Maryland and Mississippi State. He, there's a lot of talks about him potentially going in the back end of the first round. You know, and, and you think about you know, Antonio Johnson, especially with his versatility. Teams look at him very similar as well. The tight ends, man, you know, you know, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, you know, Michael Mayer, those three tight ends. There's a chance that all three could be off the board in the first round. Edge defender, Derek Hall, talking about in the back end of the first. And then a guy that's been rising that fans are, I think fans are starting to hear more about, but he's been really like the NFL has been hiding from everything that I've heard is right tackle out of Tennessee, Darnell Wright. You know, big six foot four, six foot five kid, you know, three fifteen moves well, physical, powerful, uh, helped anchor um, that offensive line for Tennessee, which was one of the best offenses, not just in the SEC last year, but they were undefeated and ranked number one at one point until they ran to the bus, saw that is the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, you know, and, and he was a big part of that offensive line. And then Osiris Torrance out of Florida, block for Anthony Richardson, guard, um, you know, six, what, six, four, three, thirty, physical uh, gap scheme guard that's going to move guys. But he showed after he dropped some weight um, down in Mobile, but heading into Mobile, he showcased well, laterally agile, quicker feet than, than really expected of him. 
Um, you know, so it's just like there's definitely guys that, you know, even Mozzie Smith, the D tackle from from Michigan, heard some some slight buzz on him being a late uh, day one type of guy. You know, Julius Brents, I think maybe I, I think he may be a lock for the first round, you know, back in the first round as well. So there's definitely some guys that are that are sleepers that that the scouting community <laughs> is high on and that the 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 fans are starting to get uh starting to hear more or should hear more of in, in the coming weeks. Where's the best value in terms of either a position group or, you know, within a round, where do, where do you see the best value for teams? Oh man, a uh, corner. And I think after, of course, day one is going to be extremely valuable because I believe it's going to be about, about five, at least I think comes off the board in, in round one, but day two on corners, there's so many corners and different body types and athletic profiles and scheme fits that if you need, if you're a team that needs a corner, but you also need an edge rusher first that you're in the first round and one of these edge rushers fall to you, you could feel comfortable grabbing that guy in the, for grabbing that edge rusher and then doubling back in the second round and grabbing one of these other corners. Um, you know, some of the guys I listed that potentially could fall to, to the top of the second round, but you think of Tyreek Stevenson from Miami, tall, you know, really great kid, met him down in Mobile as well. Tall, long, physical, but really, a really good athlete, like most kids are from South Florida. Uh, you know, being athletic is just something that's in, in the in the bloodlines and in the water down there. Cam Phillips uh, from Utah, measured in shorter than expected. I think the school had him at like 5'10". He came around 5'9". and caught a lot of people off guard, but his game, the ball skills, the stickiness and coverage, you just love that stuff. DJ Turner, the fastest guy at the combine, 4'2", 6", from out of Michigan. To me, one of the better man-to-man cornerbacks in terms of footwork, patient, technique. Um, and he's his ball skills are developing as well, where it's like he's starting to locate the ball better in coverage and, and not just locate it, but attack. And that's typically the process for guys that's developing their ball skills is, First, you gotta get your you, you gotta cover. It's like phases, right? You want to stay in phase with the with the receiver. You gotta look fine. Once they break, you gotta look for the ball and locate it. Then you gotta have the courage to say, okay, I locate it. Now let's go make a play. And he started to do that this year for the for the Michigan, uh, you know, for Michigan's defense. And of course, you know, like I said, you even a guy like Eli Ricks, out of, you know, out of Alabama, he didn't play much this year. He got hurt. And there was some talks that he got in Nick Saban's doghouse. I don't know how true that is, but that's also not hard to do because it is Nick Saban. So, you know what I mean? Like you just miss a meeting or come five minutes early to a meeting where, you, you know, or you come on time to a meeting. You're supposed to be five minutes early. You know, in terms of being on time, you might get in the doghouse because Nick Saban is a stickler for certain things. But um, you go back to his freshman year at LSU. This was one of the best DBs in the SEC. Long, um, good technique, a young man that plays physical press man coverage. And he's got incredible ball skills and instincts in coverage as well. Kind of a coverage uh, scheme, versatile guy that you could play him in man to man. And then you could play him off as like a, a cover three type of corner. Gives me. Reminds me of Trayvon Diggs for the Dallas Cowboys. You know what I mean? That where he can drop off in coverage, but you got to be weary testing him because of his length and his ball skills. So I think the value of truthfully is going to be day two for not just corner, but I think receiver as well for teams. You know, this receiver class, no, there's no Jamar Chase. There's no Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle. But there's a lot of number twos and threes in this class in terms of, hey, if I already have a number one receiver or you think like you said, you know, you have Darren Waller and say, you say Darren Waller is the point of our off our passing offense. That's our number one receiver. That's the guy we want defenses to take away. 
you can grab a Marvin Mims. You can grab a Tank Dell. Um, if you want, you know, especially for if the 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 brass over in New York wants a bigger body receiver on day two, late day, late day three, or potentially on day four. I mean, um, you know, round four and day three is Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss. 6'2", 220, 4'4". I believe he was like 39 to 40 inches in the vertical. Uh, still still raw to some aspects because of the offense he played in. And that's a big part with a lot of some of these receivers. They play in these wide open spread offenses that don't ask them to run a lot of NFL route trees. So that part is a little bit on the developmental side. But like has all the tricks you look for, everything for a big body X receiver that you really, really will enjoy with this young man. So um, I think the value is going to be day, you know, day two for corner and receiver. All right. That's uh, that's good because they're giant needs. You know, even though the Giants have a gazillion receivers, you know, a lot of them are on one year deals and a lot of, mm-hmm. a couple of them are coming back from season ending injuries. So, you know, don't be fooled, folks, by the number of receivers the Giants have. Damien, let's ask, let's, let's talk about the um, defensive side. Now, you know, when we last spoke, I mentioned how the run defense had to be shored up. Mm -hmm. They have since added Bobby O'Karake at linebacker. They brought in uh, Raheem Nunez Roches to be part of that interior defensive line. Um, They probably need a little bit more depth, I would think, because I get the impression they're going to try and move away from having their safeties be those pseudo linebackers that just based on what they have, you know, Landon mm-hmm. Collins, I don't think is going to be back. Uh, Tony Jefferson, who's converting to inside linebacker. I don't think he's going to be back. But that being said, when you look at the middle of that giants defense, whether it be the defensive line, the interior, the safety, whatever, where did the giants need the most help? Do you think still, and who are some of the names that you think we should watch for? Man, I mean, the defensive line could, you know, definitely you want to keep bodies in there. And, and especially if you do end up paying, uh, I think Dexter Lawrence is up for a contract if he's not already been re-signed. But, like, you, adding more depth to that defensive line to where if you want to go with, hey, this is like a rotation of guys, that's a good option. And there's some dudes here in, in this in this class, especially on the interior, that you can have, you know, have fun with. You got Siaki Aika. He's more of a, a traditional nose tackle in that 3-4 defense. Um, but like a, a big body, big frame, over 330 pounds that can really like take up space. And um, and I think him and Lawrence can share the field if you wanted to move Lawrence down to that five tech and really create like this really stout front. But linebacker is interesting because, especially on day two, you think about a, 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 a Dan Henley, linebacker out of Washington State, you know, former safety. But one thing I, I saw with him in Mobile is just a physicality and aggressiveness he plays with, a r- uber athletic. Uh, Henry Toto, a guy that's really instinctual, not the greatest athlete, but his instincts are out of this world in terms of just reading and, 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 and having um, – and having the ability to, to get downhill, get downhill quickly, right? Read what's going on and make a play and get into the backfield. But Noah Sewell, like a guy that, like Noah Sewell was very highly touted coming out of the summer. And I think he was a little overweight this season, which was un, like uncommon for him. But he's a traditional run stuffing thumper that like big frame. I think he's like 250. 240, 250 at the combine. I think he plays around 250, you know, four, six guy that he loves to hit. And it's like, you think about having one of those, those middle linebackers, especially with the front that you kind of already have, 
that can walk up into that A-gap or even just run fit in that A-gap and stop any momentum with the run game, especially ISO runs. Teams love to run what we call split zone where the tight ends kind of off the ball and they come across the formation. Sometimes they go split wham where they lead them into the middle of the offensive line. And when you have a guy like Noah Sewell right there at that middle linebacker spot, he could trigger downhill put and meet them with physicality and stonewall the run game. So I think, you know, linebacker is definitely a position that they could look to improve. Um, just getting more, becoming more physical. I, I like the defensive line, but I, I think just continue to add bodies at that second level. Uh, Okereke is big. Um, you know, and I know you guys had, you know, Gerard Davis at linebacker as well, but I, I think that they can upgrade. You know, I think Okereke, uh, Okereke or Okereke will be fine, but I think Noah Sewell, putting Noah Sewell beside him, um, I think Okereke is more athletic than Noah Sewell, and you want to give a nice pair of, like, Similar to running backs, lightning and thunder. You want a guy that can move in space. You want a guy that can really attack downhill and really make the offense feel his presence. Hey, Giant fans, the Built March Madness bracket is here, but only for a few more days. So we know you have a favorite Built Bar puff or bar. And now is your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know, I voted for the mint brownie puff. I've stuffed that ballot box as much as I can. And uh, you've got a favorite, I'm sure. So go ahead and support your favorite. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com and be automatically entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. And one lucky Locked On fan will win a 12-month supply to built to have built bars best pups or bars delivered directly to their door vote every day in march so there's only a few days left don't delay and don't forget to pick up your favorite built bars or puffs at a 15 percent discount on your first order with the promo code locked 15 you look at the edge rushers um there's no aiden hutchinson i think in this draft there's probably no thibodeau in this draft but is there value that maybe they can get a decent edge rusher to kind of work in when they want to go multiple edge rushers? Or do you think the Giants defense, as it's set up, you know, their, their, their pass rush is basically going to be Ojulari, Thibodeau, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and maybe a blitzer coming from the backfield? I think they're, this 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 edge group is really, really talented, and there's a lot of depth. You know, of course, the creme de la creme at the top is Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama, a.k.a. the Terminator. So, like, he's going top 10 <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, you got guys like Tyree Wilson and Miles Murphy and the Keon White to the world. But I think Will McDonald, the fourth, um, you know, even if you wanted to, if they decided to go that route, and even the first round, I could see him potentially as a late first-round pick as well. But I think second round is where you can get him, you know, long – uh, bendy, explosive first step. He's got almost 35-inch arms, uh, 240 type of edge rusher. Um, you know, you look at a Derek Hall, who I talked about earlier out of Auburn, powerful. Well, a guy who could play all three downs if you wanted him to, but if you wanted to bring him off the edge or bring him off the bench as a kind of a DPR, <clears throat> excuse me, like you could do that as well. <clears throat> then you have like BJ Ojulari, Aziz's younger brother, you know, over at LSU. He's a fastball pitcher, explosive, bendy off the edge. Body types very much is very different than Aziz. Aziz was more stout where he can play all three downs. Um, I think early on, BJ is probably going to be one of those type of like 
DPR third down specialist as he continues to fill in his frame. And then you think about Isaiah McGuire out of, out of uh, Missouri, he played more defensive end, but he's got the, the length and build. If you want to stand him up, you can. And the reason why I think this is such an in- interesting, you know, thing, even with like a Nick Herbig um, undersized edge rusher from Wisconsin is having those two bookends that you have. The, the one good thing about it, especially with Kayvon, you can reduce him inside. <clears throat> excuse me, and rush him on guards because he did that at um at, at, in Oregon. He, you, you can do that with him. You can stand him up ahead of guards, and you can really kind of go back to you think about those championship Giants defenses with the NASCAR package where you have the Tucks and the Usi Human Yours and, you know, all those different body types where it's like, man, I have four defensive ends on the field at the same time, and now it's tough. It's, it's hard for tackles to block those guys. But when you now put reduce them inside on guards who are not as quick, it creates such a, a issue right in the face of a quarterback. You mentioned that. And, and what came to mind is Justin Tuck. They used to rush Justin Tuck at mm-hmm. defensive, you know, inside. So and they and he had a lot of success doing that. So that that's a really good point, because his quickness just used to absolutely catch guys off guard. And, you yeah. know, they were successful more often than not. Damian, I want to ask you about quarterback. I mean, even though the Giants have Daniel Jones under contract, Tyrod Taylor is still under contract for another year. I firmly believe the Giants are going to pick up a developmental quarterback. Who are some guys that you think might be a fit for them in that role? Who do you think is going to be there maybe day three, I don't know, fifth round onward? Oh, man. Um, Jaron Hall out of, out of uh, BYU and and. Coming into the senior bowl, I had a day two type of view on Jared Hall. And I think he's still a good player. It's just tough because this young man had a very, very rough uh, go at it in Mobile. Two um, the inconsistent practices. He did not look like the quarterback he was at BYU on film. And he left uh, before the third day of practice, so he left early, which I'm sure was I'm sure was an agent's decision. Um, it's like, hey, let's protect whatever stock you have left. Let's not continue to compound bad performances. But you know, you pop on the tape, a young man is very Kyler Murray-ish in terms of dynamic and open open field. He can run the ball and improvise if you need to, but he's got good arm talent, can throw the ball with touch timing and anticipation at all three levels of the defense. Um, he is an older prospect because, you know, a lot of times with those kids at BYU, they do their missions of the Latter-day Saints and they go overseas for about two years. So I believe he had a, a two-year um, mission that he was on, which, you know, they don't play football, you know, for in the States during that time. Uh, so that's why he's a little bit of an older prospect. But I think he's somebody that could be a de- nice developmental piece. Tanner McKee, um, I, you know, in, in this offense out of Stanford, 6'6", over 200 pounds, uh, big arm, you know, can really drive the football. And he's developing his uh, ball speed and how to take something off of the passes and learning how, learning how to layer the ball. Um, and he's got a little he, – he's a he's more of a pocket QB. But he's got a little bit of – a little bit of a – running a building in this game where he can get you out of some, some spots, um, you know, and of course, like the uh, toolsy kid that you can get definitely on day three, I think five, fifth, sixth round Tyson Bajan out of Shepard saw him down in mobile as well. Um, you know, I remember Jim talking about him on the conference call with all of us in the, in, you know, in the scouting and media world. And, he, and we saw the arm talent. This kid's mobile. He's athletic. Um, he's just very raw. 
And it's like one of those guys that you take on day three. Uh, he's probably your QB three behind Tyrod, and he's holding. He's got the headset on, but he's listening to everything that Daniel Jones and Tyrod are taking are talking about, and he's taking everything in. And uh, from what I've gathered, I think he is a guy that's uh, willing to be coached up and willing to take his time to get to to try and get himself to a, a starting role. And you know, he, he's a talented kid. He's just raw. Final question for you, Damian. You know, now that the combine is done now that, you know, a lot of the pro days are in the books and you probably have had a chance to go back, look at some more film and whatnot. I know I asked you this last time you were on the show, but I'm going to ask you again, who are some sleepers that are maybe emerging regardless of round that you think might be giant fits? Mm, Corner. Um, And he's one of, he's one of my guys in this class, Carrington Valentine. Uh, I believe he ran a sub four, four, at this uh, pro at the Kentucky pro day, this is a young man that's new to the position still uh, as a corner that uh, so much. So like, you know, going back to high school, he was a he spent his first three years at receiver. He didn't play corner ever until his senior year of high school. So he's only played corner for about three years of his life. So he's still learning, um, but he's aggressive, physical, uh, athletic. He's a guy that you turn on the tape against Tennessee and Carrington's a smaller then like Cedric Tillman for, for Tennessee is six three two two fifteen almost 220. And he, he met him with so much physicality at the line of scrimmage over and over again. I absolutely love what, what this kid can become. Corey Trice uh, out of Purdue six, you know, I think he's like six, two, six, three, maybe a little taller over 200 pounds, ran a four, four, seven, big physical guy that can really get in the face of, of receivers and, and press you and really kind of disrupt what you want to do offensively and throw off timing, especially for those timing offenses. Um, you know, another sleeper, Alex Austin out of Oregon State, him and his teammate, Ray John Wright, really like both of those guys. Just, you know, especially he's a better athlete, I believe, of the two, more fluid uh, mover. Um, and then um, I think it's uh, Cam Mitchell. Yeah, Cameron Mitchell out of Northwestern. Tested very well at the combine. You know, turn on this tape. Knows one of his knows one of his teammates, and he talks so highly of him. How you know he studies hard, he's he continues to work hard, but he's sticking in coverage, and that athleticism translates, and everything he was able to do look fluid in his drills. So I really came away impressed with him. Um, you know, and then of course that right receiver, Darius Davis, uh, you know, especially for the Giants, you know, he he's a smaller guy, of course, but is someone that you look at is like, okay, he's a dynamic return threat can kind of move into the slot and be that wide receiver four if you need him to be and of course i talked about you know jonathan mingo earlier but especially as for size right matt landers out of arkansas is one of my sleepers as well it was six foot four 200 pound ran four three um you know explosive young man really fast and he he actually runs better routes than i expected him to when i turned on the tape but another big body guy is Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia, 6'4", 220, and he ran a 4'3", And it's like, okay, these sleeper guys that you can get, you know, late day two, potentially early day three, or if not, you know, in the third round in general, that can really fit this team, whether at corner and be physical in this man cover scheme that Wink Martindale wants to run, but as these receivers add another big explosive weapon. Because one thing about Daniel Jones I've always wanted to see him get better at is take more risk, and I want to phrase this correctly, not with interceptions, but more so he's a little timid in terms of the back shoulder fades. And so I want to see him when you got give him big bodies where he can feel comfortable saying, you know what? 
I can trust my guy. I'm going to put it where he can get it, right? And give him a shot. That's what I was saying. Give a shot throws. Give him a chance. Those give a chance throws. He'll have that with Darren Waller. I would love to see them add a Bryce Ford Wheaton or a Matt Landers or a John Domingo. These big six foot two and taller receivers that are really athletic uh, with ball skills that can help him out in that, in that area. Yeah. And the more you help you can give to Daniel Jones, I mean, you just invested a lot of money in him. So you better get him talent, right. not just in terms of pass catchers, but in terms of offensive line, which, as I said, continues to be a big issue. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, to, to a degree defense, you know, you want to create short fields, you want some playmakers. I mean, the Giants, I think we're like near or at the bottom of the league in interceptions last year. Kind of which is just that. wild if you consider that, you know, but yet they, you know, that. and then the run defense, like I mentioned, but it, it, it just seems like slowly, but surely general manager, Joe Shane chipping away at the needs. He's got 10 draft picks in this class can mm-hmm. certainly check off a lot of boxes that are remaining. I would think. hundred percent. I totally agree. I think it, this is a good draft for, for, for your giants. I think they handle it and just navigating and maneuver it correctly in terms of where, they prioritize what they prioritize in, in, in like the first round. It could dictate what they do in the rest of the rounds. But if they do it correctly, I think they can come out with a lot of talent that could play it pretty early on. Fingers crossed because, you know, after last year's rebuild, you know, and, and well, actually it wasn't really, a, it was kind of a rebuild, but the nine, seven and one, a playoff berth winning in the playoffs. Um, but still quite a ways to go before the giants closed the talent gap with the Eagles who, despite, all the losses that they had probably still the creme de la creme in the NFC mm-hmm. East. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. They, they have the team that, you know, can really make it back, especially then they have the draft capital to two first round picks, mm-hmm. a second, you know, they, they have the draft capital to when, Hey, we know we're going to pay Jalen hurts. Let's continue to add some pieces. Let's get this defense back to where we want it to be. Maybe add the third, you know, third receiver and a running back. And then it's like, man, you know, they, they hit it, hit a home run. Like it makes it, it makes it harder to defeat these guys for the next couple of years. Well, hopefully the giants will be able to do that because I know I'm sick of them beating (laughs) the giants every single time it seems, but Damien, thank you so much for the great uh, information. Uh, I'm just amazed at how you remember all these names and these (laughs) measurements and the, you know, the sizes and everything like that just shows you do your homework, my friend. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you all for, you know, for having me on the show again. Oh, my pleasure. He's Damian Parson. You can find him on the draft network. He's a senior talent evaluator. You can also find him along with coach Keach Sanchez on locked on NFL draft. And that shows available Monday through Friday, right? You you guys are Monday through Friday. Now is the time folks. You want to be tuning in because these guys got some good stuff. So please do yourself a favor like and subscribe to their channel. They're on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. For Damian Parson, I'm Patricia Trainer. Thank you so much, Giant fans, for tuning in. We'll be back on Monday with all new episodes of the Lockdown Giants podcast. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody.